0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: There was brokenness in response to God's word as they realized how out of sync they had been with the Lord. They were broken. It wasn't they didn't have an attitude that said, I don't care. They cared and they were broken over their disobedience to the Lord. And they were encouraged to get up from that place and not stay there. In verse 12, There was great rejoicing over the word of God. Obedience to the word brought great gladness, not great sadness. It brought great gladness into their lives.
0: In your walk with the Lord, when you mess up, do you always turn to him? Is your first reaction to confess or is it to hide the sin and try to forget about it? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to experience joy in the Lord, you need to bring your sin into the light. The more you try and hide it from God and others around you, the worse it gets in your life. He has already forgiven you for by way of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Don't let your sin fester and increase your holiness with God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah, chapter eight, as he continues his message. Revival through the word.
1: Read through the text, chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse. Um, Give sound biblical interpretation of what we're reading, and then give appropriate application. What do we do with what we have read? What do we do with what God has said in a particular book? And so that's what they're doing here. They're taking people through the word for the first time in a very long time, and they're reading the word, giving interpretation, and giving uh, direction, how to apply what they're reading to their lives. And anybody that's listening to this, and you've had your life changed by the word of God, you know that's how it happened. As you heard the word, as you understood the word, and as you found proper application to the word, our lives begin to take on a whole new direction, a whole new focus. Everything changes. And so that's what God is doing here. Is the people of God have been brought back into their area. They're back, the walls are built up. Now the temple is built, and now they're now they got the word of God being taught to them so that they could know what the Lord wants them to do, how they how he wants them to. To live. And so um, Ezra is doing his part. This is the spiritual work that has taken place. Verse 9 it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard. The words of the law. And so the initial response to everybody when they heard the word was that they they wept. They were they were I mean, imagine the sadness and the brokenness of realizing that we've been disobedient to the Lord for a long time. As they're reading the law, they realize that the things that happened to us happen because we've been disobedient to the word. Our our trials have been our own fault. And so they were just bummed and they were mourning and they were weeping as they realized what a life apart from God's word, what, what, what it's brought about. And maybe for many of us, maybe as we first were introduced to the Lord and we realized, man, I realize that's some of the first things you realize how how off you've been, how how many things you were doing that were wrong. How many things were not what God intended? And it can be kind of a, a, a it can make you sad. It could grieve your heart that, man, look at what I was doing. But I want you to note that they don't get left in that place. They, they, don't, they don't get left in the place of mourning. They're told, do not mourn nor weep. Why? Why not? Why Why not mourn or weep? Because that's not what God wanted, right? The, great that the, the initial response is you realize that you were out of compliance with the Lord is you wept, you know, and so uh, verse 9, uh, the, this is the, the fourth, uh, f- the, the, I'm sorry, the The fourth thing is that there was brokenness in response to God's word. That's a good thing, but just don't get stuck there. It's a bad place to get stuck as a believer looking backwards at what you used to be, feeling bad about what you used to, because you can't do anything about the errors of the past. So you can be broken, but you got to get back up from there. The apostle Paul said it best. He said, forgetting the things which are behind me Because behind Paul was dead Christians, jailed Christians. He had done a lot of damage. He said, forgetting the things that are behind me, I'm pressing forward to the things which are ahead. I'm reaching for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we want to do. Forget about what you did back there. It's washed away in the blood of Jesus if you're a believer. Don't live there, but you look forward. And so they mourned, they grieved, and then they were told, stop it. Don't mourn nor weep. And look at verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. And then this verse that we hear oftentimes, here's the context for it. For the joy of the Lord is your strength, is what they're told. They're told, look, stop mourning. I want you guys to get up. This is a good day. The fact that you guys are aware that you sin, good. Now get up. Um, I want you to go eat the fat, drink the sweet. I want you to get food and give it to people that have nothing prepared. I want you to go. It's a feasting time. Go bless people that don't have anything prepared for them. And he said, this day is not a day of sorrow. Um, this day is holy to the Lord. And he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to remember that as believers. There's there's a strength in joy that can't be taken away. And God's joy is different than happiness. Happiness can come and go as quick as a good thing can happen. You can be happy uh, fast as a bad thing can happen. Your happiness can swift. It can just go away from you. But the joy that comes from God, it, it's 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 a lot more stable because the joy we have from the Lord is a joy that is born out of the relationship that we have with him, which is unchanging. Which anchors us and so even when things are going terrible, we can still have joy because our joy is not tethered to what's happening our joy is tethered to the, to the unchanging, the fact that we're in relationship with God. And so uh, and it tells us that the joy of the Lord is actually a strength. it's a position of strength for the believer when you realize that but I, I can have, I can have something better than happiness in moments fleeting moments of, of gladness, I can have joy. That's anchored into my relationship with the Lord. That's what kept Paul and Silas when they were in a jail cell and in the bottom, in the bottom of the jail. um, That's how come they could worship at a time like that, Um, that there was joy. Paul wrote the letter of Philippians to believers um, about how to have joy. He wrote that letter from prison. Right. Paul was saying to teach you guys how to have joy. One of the lessons in the book of Philippians is it is you're responsible for what you choose to focus on. If you focus on what went wrong, you will be bummed out. But if you focus on what God has done, and who he is, and who he is to you, you can have joy even when things aren't going well. Paul said in Philippians that, that he says, you choose what you meditate on. He says meditate on the things that are true, that are praiseworthy. there's anything just, anything of good report, meditate on that. You get to decide what you meditate on. And so um, that may be a word for someone listening today. Maybe you're focusing long on disappointment. It'll bum you out. It'll depress you. Um, You need to take Paul's advice from Philippians and choose to meditate on the things that are true, that are pure, that are praiseworthy. If there's anything of good report, go find some good news and choose to meditate on that. It'll help you to get your perspective right. And so again, the believers here are told that the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're taking notes, there's a psalm I'd like to give you. Psalm 30, verse five, it says for his anger, speaking of God's anger, is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but it says, but joy comes in the morning. And there may be they had a moment of sorrow here, but he said, no, nah, come on back here. And I want you all to rejoice. I want you to rejoice in what God is doing today, because for God, this is a joyous occasion. People are coming back to me. They're getting back into the word. They're turning their hearts back to me. This is not a bummer. This is a blessing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. When just one person says, I'm turning back to God, the Bible says that heaven rejoices over that. And so maybe you're listening to this tonight. Maybe you need to return to the Lord and return to his word. And understand that as you do, little old you, you all by yourself, just one you, If you turn back to the Lord, all of heaven will rejoice over your coming back to the Lord tonight. And the invitation is always out with God. God leaves the invitation out. His his arms, his arms are open for you and for me to return. He wants you back. Usually he wants us more than we want him. Uh, He wanted you first. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And if you need to come back, you should come back. You should return to the Lord. And maybe this week you can you could just turn your attention back to his word. Open up the Bible. Read it. Tune in the sermons and let the Lord minister to you. Just just allow yourself to be drawn back into an intimate place with him. He will have you back if you will come. And so, again, they're told here not to sorrow. Uh, this is a day that's holy to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, be still. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people, when they went their way to eat and drink, to send they sent portions uh, and rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Um, the, the fifth thing that we have down is that there was rejoicing over the word. They, they said that there was, they rejoiced greatly over this in verse uh, 11. And so I'm sorry, verse 12, they rejoiced greatly. Because they understood the words that were declared to them. And I hope that there'll be people that hear this tonight and will rejoice greatly as they understand God's word. As God's word is spoken that you would hear it and understand it and it would be a source of great rejoicing for you. And so moving on now, the one of the things that Israel had fallen away from that God had given them in the law feast days and times for them to remember what he had done in their past so that they would not forget his faithfulness. Um, But they've been away from the words. They've been away from the practices. For us New Testament believers, God has given us something that he wants us to do as a memorial for him. What is that? It's communion. He says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And he gives us specific instructions of how we're to remember what he did. He said, I want you to take the bread. He said, when you take the bread and bless it and break it, he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My body was broken for you. Remember it. Every time you take that bread and you break it and you take it, remember that my body, Jesus would say, was broken for you. And then to take the cup. said, this is the new covenant in my blood. His blood was shed for us. As often as you drink it, you do so in remembrance of him. We remember that there's a, oh, there was an old covenant, but we're in the new covenant, and the blood of Jesus is able to wash away the sins of all who put their faith in him. And Jesus gave us that at his, what we call the Last Supper. He said, look, I want you to remember me this way. Well, for the saints in the Old Testament, they had things that they were to do to remember God's faithfulness. This next thing that we're going to read, it was called the Feast of Uh. Two ways you can see it says it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Some Bibles will say the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, same thing. Um, the idea was that they were to set up all these little booths, each, each household, and they, they were to remember the time when God provided, when God took care of them, when they had nothing but God. Uh, and God was covering them. God took care of them, and so they would set it up. They were supposed to share it with their kids and, you know, rehearse the stories with their kids, but they had gotten far away from that, and so as they now have the word again, they're going to be reminded of what they're supposed to be doing, and so look at verse 13 now. It says, now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses." And all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, in order to understand the words of the law. And so it's important here that all the leaders, right, that you got the heads of the father's houses. This is the leadership in Israel. The priests and the Levites were all gathered together with Ezra, the scribe. Why is this important? Because the leaders need to know the word of God. The leaders are getting Bible study. They're getting ministered to so they can go and share it. And it was important that leaders would know God's word. That's true today, too. Anybody that's in a position of leadership, you're a leader in a church, you had better know the word of God. That's what we're sharing. It's the one thing that can change lives and save souls. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he says, look, you know, be diligent to know these things that as you study the word, as you know these things, they're able to save you and those who hear you. And so, the leaders here are taking in the word of God. That's a great start. The, 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 the heads of the father's houses and the priests and all the people under them, they're going to be taken in the word so they can give it out. Uh, my pastor used to have this saying. Uh, he would say of spiritual leaders, um, he would say, we need to go to the well twice as often and with a bigger bucket. Right. If God's made you a leader for people, you can't just take it enough for you. You need to be overflowing. You need to take it. You need to go twice as often, more frequently to take in the word and with a bigger bucket, with greater capacity so you can give it out to others. And so we see that here as the leaders are coming together that they can understand the law so that so Israel wouldn't get in trouble like they were here where nobody knew what God wanted anymore, that there's more than one person. All of them are being educated in the law and in the word of God. And so they're going to learn about the Feast of Tabernacles, verse 14. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses and the children of Israel, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountains and bring olive branches, branches of olive trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of leafy trees, and make booths, as it is written. So they were all going to get leaves and trees and make these little booths, every family, verse 16. Then the people went out and brought them and made them themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in the courtyards or in the courts. Um, On the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who have returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. So he's given us a timestamp. He's saying, look, since Joshua, they haven't celebrated this feast. They haven't taken the time to remember what God had done. And this is so important for the people of God. It's because there's always battles before us. And so it becomes very important that we we all have a track record with God. If you've been walking with God for any amount of time, God's got a track record. And his track record would always be faithful. And God says, I don't want you to forget who I am and how I am, because when the new thing comes up, I want you to remember who I am. And so God gave him feasts and God gave him things to remember his faithfulness, how he came through, how when they were obedient to him, he did his part. He took care of them. He blessed them. He provided. God said, I don't want you guys to forget that. So he gave them these little things to remember what he had done. I think it's important in our lives that we remember what the Lord has done, right? When you enter into a new trial, before you get all stressed out, do not you think back to the last trial and how the Lord came through? What did he do? How did he come through last time? What did he do with that last trial? insurmountable seeming situation. How did it work out the last time? And we need to remember who he is to us. Um, It it will oftentimes give us strength for the new battle. When we look back and see God, man, God's always been faithful. I can't ever look back at anything in my life and see that the Lord didn't come through or he wasn't faithful. He's always faithful. And so God gives them this. uh, God gives us things that we might remember him as well. That we wouldn't forget His faithfulness in our lives, and so it says this now at the end of verse seventeen. Um, it says, "So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths, sat under booths. They hadn't done this since the days of Joshua. Uh, it says the children of Israel had not done so, and there was very great gladness. Now, I think sometimes people think if we do what God wants, it's going to be a bummer. You know, some people don't understand the goodness of God. Some people think if I live the way God wants me to live, it's going to be a, I'm going to be, it's going to be boring. I'm not going to have fun. I won't get to laugh. And they think that it's going to bring about great sadness. But in reality, as we look at them here, they've done what God prescribed for them and it brought about great gladness. Uh, It says, and there was very great gladness. That's emphatic. They weren't just a little bit glad. Very great gladness came about as they did what was prescribed in the word of God. And so I think we need to remember, you guys, that God is good. God's not mean. He's a good God. He loves his kids. He cares for us. He created joy. He created happy. He created feel good. He created pleasure and all these things. And God's not looking for a way to bum you out. God's not creating laws and rules and structure in his word to keep you from happiness. I believe that everybody listening will agree with this. I guarantee you, you have found yourself most unhappy when you have gone after what you wanted and done it your own way. That's how you want to learn how to be unhappy. Do it your way. Do it your way long enough and you'll find yourself in a place where you are just unhappy with the outcome of having done it your way. We will find great gladness, you guys, when we just take what God's word says and in obedience and submission, we do what the word of God says. This is the, the next is the last thing that, that they, in response to his word, uh, they, they, they were, they found great gladness as they did what the word says. And then verse 18, it says also day by day from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. And so they did this every single day. They had time set aside to read from the word of God day by day. Um, This work of revival was a work of the spirit of God. But I want you to see how important the word of God was to it. Uh, For us as believers, the word of God is important in our worship. It might be one of the most important things in our worship because listen to this. If you remove the word of God, you don't even know how to worship the Lord. God teaches us in the word how he wants to be worshiped. I don't know how to live before God apart from the word of God. It's not really the sort of thing you can make up. God's very specific about what he wants, how he wants it. And so the word informs us how to live pleasing to the Lord, uh, what not to do, what to do how to draw near to the Lord, what things will bring distance and separation between us and the Lord, how to be reconciled to God. All of that's laid out in the word. What to do when I've sinned against God? It's in the word of God. First John one nine, you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. How do I get to say all of that's in God's word? And so we really can't worship him properly. Without it, it's it's a very important part of our worship. And so um, we give great importance in our worship service to the reading of the word, the teaching of the word. It's it's what we do more of than anything else, because it's it's supposed to inform everything else that we do. And so um, I would like to take this time uh, to to plug, to encourage you guys. It says they did it day by day. Um, We encourage here at Calvary Chapel Inglewood, we do a Bible reading plan Um, every day of the week, there's an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and a Proverb. It takes us through the Bible in a year and it it keeps us reading the Bible in community with other people every year we go through the word of God again. Because it's living and powerful, it'll never get boring. It'll never not be alive. It'll never not have something to say to you. And so maybe you don't know where to start. I'd encourage you to pick up there. You can go on our, our app or our website and just download the reading plan and just pick up. Day by day, take in the word of God. Make sure it's a it becomes something you do habitually. Every single day, you do this. You spend time on your own taking in the word of God. Uh now I want to do this. The six things that the word the way the word impacted the believers here that we hope God will impact us. Verse three: the word impacted them in the way in this in this way, it brought revival in that they were attentive to the word. Um that was that was the beginning. First, you got to give your attention to the word before God can do anything else with it. In verse five, there was reverence for the word. If you remember when they heard it read, they just stood up. They they revered the word of God. And I told you guys, it's not enough, it's not, it's not enough to revere the word by standing up. You got to do what it says. In verse six, they were worshiping God. Um, they were worshiping the God of the word in humility. So after they finished hearing uh, they, they worshiped the God of the word in humility with their faces on the floor. In verse 9, there was brokenness in response to God's word. As they realized how out of sync they had been with the Lord, they were broken. It wasn't They didn't have an attitude that said, I don't care. They cared and they were broken over their disobedience to the Lord. And they were encouraged to get up from that place and not stay there. In verse 12, there was great rejoicing over the word of God. Obedience to the word brought great gladness, not great sadness, it brought great gladness into their lives.
0: We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Nehemiah. Do you ever feel like every time you step into your calling, life gets really, really hard? Nehemiah knew what it was like partway through the work of rebuilding the wall the people encountered opposition and it became necessary to defend themselves while they worked nehemiah 4:21 through 23 says so we labored at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out i also said to the people at that time that every man and his servant pass the night within jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor men of the guard who followed me. None of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Nehemiah faced a physical threat to the people, but you and I will face a spiritual one. A spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer, praise, and worship. Don't forget to keep them at your right hand all the time. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream this Sunday. Thank you, and we'll see you again on A Transforming Word.